You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Secret, secret. I got a secret. The only secret I like is the secret recipe since 1975. Oh, Hour number two. The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Um, a lot of hockey talk coming up. Hockey, hockey, hockey. Luke Gazdick, former NHL enforcer, NHL on Sportsnet now at the bottom of the hour. Lou, Peter Labardi is at the top of the next hour, Flames analyst for Sportsnet 960. We'll also get a life lesson from Lou. And Greg Wyshynski, his New Jersey Devils on fire, ESPN senior NHL writer will join us at 830. The postseason bound New Jersey Devils, you put some respect on their yeah, name. They've had a good season. Uh, in New Jersey, and usually, like people like to crap on free agent signings. Mm-hmm. Dougie Hamilton's been great for them this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andre Palat's been hurt a lot and hasn't maybe produced like he has usually, but nevertheless, there still are the Devils. <laughs> yes, the Devils. Good team, man. Yep. Questionable goaltending. Yep, but Good. fast, fun team to watch. Big blue line, big mean blue line. Yep. Um, a lot to like. It's been a good 48 hours if you're a fl- if you're a fan of the Calgary Flames. They beat the Sharks 5-3 Saturday afternoon. Get some help on the out-of-town scoreboard. You wake up this morning, Flames just four points, which is essentially four and a half points out of a playoff spot because the Jets do have the tiebreaker on the Flames because of wins and regulation. But they whatevs, have four more. Those teams are going to play uh, each other in the peg uh, early next month, mm-hmm. which is going to be the season for the Calgary Flames. But not only do you get help from the out-of-town scoreboard, mm-hmm. um, you beat the Sharks, and then you sign your top prospect, Matt Coronado, to a three-year deal, which broke yesterday. Um, Patty had him on uh, for a little interview, about 11 minutes. Check that out, too. Um, but we want to ask you, too, on the text line, 960-960, name and location. Eight games left in the Flame season. Yeah. How many does Matt Coronado play? And why? 960-960, name and location. The why gets your text read from our Sportsnet 960, the fan text reading robot, text team McTexterson. I, I honestly have no idea how many games he's going to play because my 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 way of thinking when it comes to this deal is this. I'm, I would assume, and that's a dangerous thing to do in this market. You know what happens when you assume. Yeah, I know. Uh, you make an ass yes, out of you yes, and yes, me. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. I would assume uh, the general manager told Matt Coronado, hey, you're going to play here with eight games to play because he can't get sent down to the Wranglers. Nope. Cannot play for the Wranglers. So Only people on the Flames that are eligible for the AHL postseason are Walker Dewar and Jacob Pelche. So um, with eight games to play, how many is Matt Coronado going to play and why? Matty Rose, how many games is Matt Coronado going to play and why? I think two. Two? I think two. That's it? We'll see. I could see him in more as well. I don't know. Like I, I could easily take Nick Ritchie out of the lineup, no problem. But here's the thing: I don't think he gets in the LA game. Maybe later in the week, but like that'd only be like well, he's flying in today. A couple of practice, like he's flying in today, so he's right. not going to practice today. He'll probably get morning skate tomorrow, and then their next game is on the road too. So there's going to be a travel day rather than a practice day. So let. <laughs> I don't know. I think two games. I'm probably looking at that home game Sunday against the Ducks for maybe his debut. That would be my just, you know, kind of gut feeling on the thing. But we'll see. Yeah, I uh, I think it's a lot more than two. I think it has to be more than two games. 
And here's why. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of guys on the wing you could take out. Right? Like, you can sit Milan Lucic. Yep. Uh, You can sit Nick Ritchie. Yep. And honestly, you can bump down Dubé. Uh, yep. Now, all of it, like, he would be the third guy there. And I still think he's an effective player. And he's got good speed. And, right. But, like, I wouldn't li- mind seeing a Coronado, Caudry, Dubé trio if okay. you want to keep the other two lines together. And then your fourth line can be made up of any combination of Walker Dewar, Trevor Lewis, Nick Ritchie, and Milan Lucic, which would just be Lewis, Dewar, and then one of the other two that wears a seven on his jersey. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what I would look at. Just, you know, without having to throw every single line in the blender. We know that the biggest issue on this team this season has been goal scoring, or lack thereof. And goal ten- for a lot of the sure. year. But and, yes. well, with the skaters, without a doubt, it's been the scoring. Yeah, again, when, when you play uh, the most one-goal games in the NHL this season by a wide margin. And lead the league in one-goal losses as well, right. rather than one-goal wins... They go hand in hand. Poor goaltending and lack of scoring go hand in hand. Yeah, but um, I get. I think I think you got to put the kid in the lineup. I think you got to give him a chance. I think you need the shot in the arm, and maybe he comes up here, and maybe he does something right away, and and produces out of the gate. Maybe he's a guy that you know he's he's definitely in game shape. This isn't a Jacob Chikrin situation where he didn't play for like <laughs> three or four months, and now he's out for the Senators. Pretty much a nail in their season, nail in the coffin of their season. If it wasn't already, yeah, if it wasn't already, but. Um, why not give the kid a chance here? Because uh, it's been few and far between on the consistency on the wing from the Calgary Flames. Why not give this kid a chance? The only problem is if it was any or any other organization in the NHL, I'm like, this kid's going to play a lot. I have no idea how many games this guy's going to play because of the head coach of this team. Yep. And, and it's interesting dynamic to me because what does the power struggle or the power structure look like? Because I'm sure the general manager, who's currently the general manager of the team, Bradshaw Living wants to see this kid in the lineup to see what he has. But as we know, um, I've kind of gleaned this from my time in Calgary since I've moved here in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the coach doesn't really like to play young players that much. No. Uh, but at the same time, mm-hmm. he did give Jacob Pelche a lot of rope. He gave him a lot of chances to play in the top six on the number one power play. Kid, The progression made sense with Pelche. Yes. He got him for a couple games, but played did- less than 10 minutes, showed that he can play, moved up the lineup, right. then kind of... You know, plateaued for a little bit, as a lot of young players do. Got taken out of the lineup, back in the lineup. Now he's in and out, but I don't think he's anywhere close to being sent down to the AHL unless this team gets mathematically eliminated from the postseason. Then maybe you think about yeah. it. But until then, Pelche is going to stay with the team. And I think the same thing could happen with Matt Coronado. Like, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to see him go in and play less than 10 minutes, be a little bit of a power play specialist type of guy. Maybe bump him between the third and fourth lines if Nick Ritchie is your other guy in there, too. But here's the thing. Like, you can capitalize on that adrenaline pump that you get from a Matt Coronado. Those first few games for a young man in the NHL, especially a guy of his caliber. Like, we know he can score. We know he has the offensive instincts. He showed that he can defend pretty well at the NCAA level last year. You kind of just got to let him go in and kind of take the reins off and see what happens. Usually... Things end up pretty good. And then maybe a few games in, whatever happens, the adrenaline starts to wear off. You start to think a little bit more rather than just play because maybe you start to know the system a little bit more, whatever it is. And maybe your play kind of plateaus like we saw for Pelche. But you can capitalize on that boost right now. And like, I think that would be a good thing for the team. 
I still think it would be difficult to get him right into the roster without doing any practices just one morning skate against LA. Uh, I um, w- When it comes to him, um, it's not like this team is first place in the Pacific and you want to kind of, you know, you don't want to ruin the chemistry of what's going on with the team up front because they're playing so well. Mm-hmm. No, this team is struggling to score and maybe he gives you that shot in the arm and, and, and gets you, I don't know, six and two because mi- they got to go minimum six and two here uh, down the stretch to have any hope of getting into the Stanley Cup playoffs. But the other offset of that would be this is a team that plays in tight one goal games. What if they're tied in the third period and a bigger player, a veteran NHLer, you know, out muscles him or does something in the defensive zone where he makes a mistake and you got one goal in the back of your net? And what if that's the Ducks or the Blackhawks game and that ends up being the two point difference, right? Like, listen, that's that's a risk that you have to take. Yep. But I get I, and the risk will happen. Mm-hmm. But that's the that's the one reason why I certainly wouldn't play him against L.A. Team like Anaheim, who, listen, we've watched lately. That's a team that I would be like, yeah, I could probably feel pretty comfortable putting a Matt Coronado in there instead. But the Kings, I don't know. That that game is a little daunting to me. And like we've said, he's barely going to skate before it happens. Uh, Flying the, in today, morning uh, skate tomorrow. To me, the, the juice is definitely worth the squeeze when it comes to Matt Coronado. Mm-hmm. Because again, I, I just don't see what, what, what do you have to lose? Like you can try to play all these tight games. You can try to push it over the line to get into the Stanley Cup playoffs. But he he might be a difference maker, or he might be uh, a liability out there. I don't know, but you got to give the kid a chance. And with, with the travel today, getting here today, getting to meet all the guys and stuff, yeah, maybe tomorrow's not the best, or maybe tomorrow is the best because it is a home game. And it's against a team that's been playing very good lately, a team that beat you up last week in the Los Angeles Kings. Maybe it is the perfect time to get him into the lineup. And as Patrick Dumas aptly put it earlier on, yeah, it's not like the kid isn't in, like in game. It's not like he's ready. To, he's ready to play. Mm-hmm. Like he played on the weekend. Like he yeah. his team got eliminated, and he's ready to go here. It's not like he's not in game shape. I don't know. Maybe just throw him in the lineup. But that's obviously not the mo of the coach. That's what makes this so fascinating to me. Is with eight games to play, how many is going to? How many is he going to play? Nine sixty, nine sixty, name and location. Or maybe I'm. Maybe it's the game in Vancouver on Friday because like they practice today. Just looking at the Flames practice schedule right now. They'll practice today. That's at 1030. There's very unlikely Coronado is going to be here for that. Um, seeing as he travels today and probably a late night yesterday. Pre-game skate is 1030 on Tuesday. He'll probably be there for that. But like we've talked about, I doubt he plays against LA. Then they're off on Wednesday. They have another practice day on Thursday. Then they'll travel to Vancouver on Friday before playing the Canucks. So if you practice Thursday, plus you get the morning skate in on Tuesday, Wednesday you get yourself climatized with an apartment or whatever you want to do there and have that off day to kind of get yourself situated in town. Friday, take a plane ride out to Vancouver and get your first game in against the Canucks. That way you get your second game in at home and it's against the Ducks. Maybe that's the one thing that I could see. But this LA game, doubtful. 96960, 960, name and location. Uh, we'll get to some of your text messages uh, in a couple minutes, but first to 5 3 win over the Sharks on Saturday afternoon. Uh, weird afternoon vibes. And something about matinee games where the Flames just score a ton. I don't know what it is and I don't know why. And there's really no rhyme or reason to it. But seemingly every time the Flames play in the afternoon, they just fill the net with goals. Like, look at those games in Dallas and yep. Tampa. They put a five spot up on the Lightning. Afternooners, put another five man. spot. I don't know what it is. 
It's the afternoon delight for the Calgary Flames. But um, Walker Dewar was their best player, no question, on Saturday against the Sharks. And I tweeted it out. It was the uh, it was the best thing and the worst thing all at once that Walker Dewar was your best player for the Calgary Flames. But it was a sloppy game. They went down. They fought back. And that's one thing. At least you can give this team some credit this year. There's a lot of fight in this team. Like, yeah, they got crushed by the LA Kings. You kind of throw that out the window. But there's been a lot of times this season where they battled back. Even that game uh, a week and a half ago against the Dallas Stars where they lost in overtime in the dying seconds when Robertson made that incredible play. Flames were down by two goals twice in that game and fought back. Went down to the terrible Sharks on Saturday, fought back, got the important two points. Tied the game up almost immediately after they had... Walker Dewar. Kind of, you know pooped their pants a little bit and allowed two goals in less than a minute. And yep. all of a sudden a two, one lead is turned into a three, two deficit. And you're kind of scrambling here against a, a sharks team that you definitely outplayed in the first period. But then the play went on. You kind of <clears throat> let the sharks back into the game as Lou called it like in the first period. Cause we were there doing the broadcast and he said like sharks get one goal here at the end of the first period. And this might end up being a game when, if the Flames had been able to shut that thing down in the first period and maybe even keep that a 2 nothing lead, I don't know how much fight back there would have been from San Jose. At this point in the year, everything that we've seen with the club, um, I just, yeah, I, I didn't expect to see it. And then they let the Sharks get a goal late in the third, the two quick goals in the second period, but like you mentioned, the, the Flames have fought back. And Honestly, I don't want to say it's surprising at this point, but the way that the year has gone, for this team to just continue to chip away when things don't go their way. I think there's a lot of people. I think there's a lot of teams that at this point would have said, you know what? Nah, this probably isn't for us. Thrown in the towel, mm-hmm. packed it up and said, time to go home, time to practice swing. But this group, you know, whether they're enjoying their season or not, they keep fighting yep. and they keep trying to get into the postseason. You know, minus that one game against L.A., which was just a travesty. They've battled here over the last couple of weeks. Well, the franchise wrote a piece, too, for SportsCent.ca about how uh, Milan Lucic super frustrated, saying, on paper, this team should be even maybe even leading the division, the amount of talent they have in the room. And it just hasn't meshed so far this season for the Flames. But he only got eight games to go. So that better mesh quickly. Uh, Flames signed Matt Coronado to a three-year entry-level deal, burning the first year of his contract, but who cares? He's still under contract for two more years, and you just hope you got to pay the guy a lot of money in two years now if he's playing great for the Calgary Flames. So those are champagne problems if you're the Calgary Flames. Um, our Sportsnet 960, the fan texting robot, is Texty McTexterson. We're asking you, with the eight games left in the Flames season, how many... Is Matt Coronado going to play and the why? Patrick, do we got some good ones for Texty today? Yeah, we got right now. We got seven. All right, let's hear a couple. Let's do it. Chris from Auburn Bay. If it's me, I'm playing Coronado for six out of eight. I want to see him in a middle six role either with Kadri or Backlund. That's his style and those guys are great leaders. Plus, you didn't draft him to play six minutes a night. Realistically, he's going to play like three, though. So... I, this is another thing that we've been talking about throughout the season. Like Jacob Pelche, the way he plays, he's got a little bit of a snarl, a little bit of a, Mm. just a hard work type of guy. Fourth line makes sense. Knowing what we know about Coronado and not seeing him as much, 
I don't know if that would make as much sense. So a middle spot, the middle six spot seems to make a lot of sense. And we talked to Jason Bukla last week, and he kind of projects Coronado to be one of those scoring, you know, middle six to your top six type of guys. So I, I'm right there with you. I think that'd be a good place to start him with either Kadri or Backlund. But like I said earlier, I, I do like what I'm seeing from the trio of Huberto, Backlund, and Coleman right now. Um, to, to me, it's super interesting, and I'm going to ask you again in case you missed it. Is Matt Coronado now ahead of Jacob Pelche in the depth chart? Like I said, no, not yet. Okay. Maybe by the end of the season, I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah. But um, not yet. I think I think the coach has maybe made up his mind on Pelche for the rest of the season. Perhaps. Which, which is fine because young guys make mistakes, uh, but he also gave him a lot of leash, but he hasn't been producing. So maybe you bring in your top prospect and maybe he can produce right off the hop. All right, let's get to more from Texty. Tanner Airdrie, hey boys. Matt's gonna play six-eighths games. I think it would be a huge boost to the team to throw this kid right into the mix while he's coming off playing just recently. Last 48 HRS got flames have been huge and adding him into the mix is something that will boost the team for next eight games, make the playoffs and use that momentum to jump the Oilers who will rank coming up. Oh. Put Matt with Dube and Kadri and that's the power line. Thanks boys. Look at Wish Tan. me luck on new job today. Okay, uh, best of luck hey, on the new job today, Tanner. Good luck, get her Thanks done. Thanks for listening, bro. Um, I like Tanner's positivity this morning on a Monday. Dude starting a new job. Mm-hmm. Says it's been a great 48 hours for the Flames, which it has been. Yep. And give the kid a chance to get a look here, and he's going to play six out of eight games. I like the cut of Tanner's jib, whatever a jib is this morning. Yeah, that's good jib, and the way it's cut. Yep. Yeah, for I, sure. I And it's hard to disagree with what he said, although... Like, realistically, how many games he's going to play? You said two. And I'm like, two? That's it? Two? Yeah. When the team's eliminated? You're like, great. Like no, this... get him into the lineup. Let's go. Like I said, why I said I two. I don't know why you're yelling. Okay. Why was I yelling about Eric Carlson earlier? Why yeah, are we you yelling? You hate Eric Carlson. I don't That's hate why. him. I just strongly dislike him, and I don't think he should win a trophy this year. Randy in Guadalajara. None. He's too well-educated and didn't play in the WHL. Okay, Randy. Like, okay. First of all, we ha. appreciate you listening from Mexico, Randy. Guadalajara. Yeah. Welcome aboard. Yeah, uh, I love it. Uh, on vacation, puts on the big show. It's awesome. Shout out to Randy. Why is he on vacation? What if he lives there? Okay, maybe he lives there. I don't know. We're huge in Mexico, you and I. Shout out, Randog. Yeah, big, uh, big following in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all. I don't, ba- It's all a baseball. We that play. that that take is. You don't need to be a superstar in the NHL to play in major junior hockey in Canada. You don't. Uh, there was a guy who played here. Uh, he played a lot of college hockey. Uh, he was very good. Mm-hmm. And uh, he signed a lucrative deal with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that take is... I think that's a, a bit of a tongue-in-cheek take. That's more of a Daryl Sutter only likes Western League guys type of... I think that's okay, what that is. Okay, maybe if he played in the queue, I'd be a little worried. Yeah. <laughs> Because the queue's a bit of a joke. Whoa. Well, just. I have no idea. I'm, no, I the really follow is, the queue. Out of the three, the queue is the weakest league. Like, let's just throw it out on Front Street here. I, I Like Sidney Crosby I, played in the queue, and I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, like Ramuski dominated the queue when mm-hmm. he was there, and I get it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not like he played in the queue. Like he played on very high level. Jacob Pelche played in the queue. Yeah, I know. Huberto played in the queue. Jeremy Poye played in the queue. You guys aren't McKenzie selling me Wager. on the queue. <laughs> the names you guys just gave me. 
Huberto played in the queue. Oh, he's had a great season. What about Uyghur? <laughs> he's had a great season. Pelche hasn't scored in forever. He played in the queue. Okay. You guys want to keep going about the queue? Or? No, I'm good. I'm tapped. Hey, hey uh, Tyler Toffoli played in the O for Ottawa. Who's had, the, who's had a career year, Tyler Toffoli? Dylan Dubé played in the dub. Like, what are we? Naz played in the O. What are we yep. talking about here? I'm just saying. Look at us knowing where players played before they got to the NHL. <laughs> Good so for smart. us. Uh, Michael Backlund played in the WHL. There you go. Cody and Drum Heller, I'd say under 4.5. Just looking at the schedule, I'd be surprised to see him play against teams in the playoffs or in a race. Kings, Preds, and Jets. And I doubt his first game is on the road in Vancouver on Friday, leaning his first game, I'm going to guess, is Sunday at home again at the Ducks. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i talking myself into his first game being Friday in Vancouver. And I keep saying that that is a total trap game. Mm-hmm. Like that, the Canucks are on fire because that's what the Canucks do. They win meaningless games yeah. down the stretch to fool their fan base. Quinn Hughes getting a few Norris tro- trophy votes yeah. here. Highest uh, scoring Canucks defenseman of all time now. Elias Pettersson's... Really? Wow, yeah, he broke was, the record. That was quick. Yeah, Elias Pettersson uh, also... Probably going to well, maybe in get a, a season. Hart trophy in nominee. a season. Okay, most points in a season for a Canucks defenseman. Quinn Hughes did that yesterday. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. I was like, franchise, sure. my goodness, I, excuse I mis- me, I misspoke. But um, yeah, I think I, I think you're right. I think Friday again. I if he gets here today, morning skate, you're in, kid. Let's go. <laughs> you ready to go? No. Put him in the lineup. No, he's not playing. Put him in the, the lineup. Why not? Let's go. All right. You need it. All right. Oh, what? Are you gonna are you gonna field the same lineup that you got your ass handed to you by the Kings last week? No. You just switch it up a little because bit. it really worked that night. There's there's just nothing I feel you can plug and play right now. It's it's the best option right now is putting in that spark plug like Matthew Coronado. Let's go, Patrick. Throw him in the deep end. Yeah. See, Patrick and I <laughs> deep end. on the positive train instead of negative Matty Rose over here. I'm not negative. I <laughs> Stop being realistic about the head coach and hating to play young players. Stop it. Why can't we live in a dreamland? Why can't we still bask in the last 48 hours that has been covering this team? Yeah, sure. Right? Why yep. do you got to rain on our parade, You're Matty? Right. Yeah, Matt Why Coronado. do you got to pee in our cornflakes this morning about Matt Coronado making his NHL debut tomorrow night at home against a team in your division who's playing great hockey lately? Maybe he goes out there and gets a hat trick in his debut and they win. Then what do you say? Congratulations uh, to Matthew e- Coronado. He's like, eating popcorn excellent. in the press box on yeah. Tuesday night. Uh, keep him, keep him going. <laughs> Will in Calgary, Coronado plays in all eight remaining games. When he arrives at the dome, he looks Daryl straight in the eye and tells him, "I'm playing first line." Sutter likes the cut of his jib and plays him heavy minutes. Coronado fails to record a single point and finishes the season a minus 18. <laughs> Daryl defends him in the media, stating, "Young guys need to play in the NHL to be comfortable playing in the NHL." Yeah, that that seems that seems likely. Yes. Yeah, that seems likely. Wow, that sounds yeah ooh, almost. Yeah. Hey, listen, Daryl. That guy got Arian Foster's script for that yeah, one. My I'm, goodness. I'm playing first line minutes. I like the cut of your jib. <laughs> yeah, like you him. are. Then he goes dash 18, no points, and he yeah. defends him. Yeah. It's like that part in Ted where he goes to the job interview. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I like you. You're hired. What? What? That's what Coronado's going to do. It's like, I'm playing first line. Suck on that head coach. Yeah. Um, can't wait for that one. Boy, would I love to be a fly on the wall. Yeah, 960-960. Keep them rolling in. Um, how many games out of the eight the Flames have remaining 
is Matt Coronado going to play in 960-960, name and location. Straight ahead, Luke Gazdick, former NHL or NHL on Sportsnet. We'll tell you who the third highest paid player on the Reds is this season, and we'll talk to Lou as well. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, serving Calgary and Southern Alberta since 1992. They got you covered for everything basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. At the top of the hour, our man, Peter Labardius, Sportsnet color analyst, Sportsnet 960, the fan color analyst. Also get a life lesson from Lou. ESPN senior writer Greg Wyshynski at 830. And we're still taking your text messages, 960-960, name and location. With six, not six, with eight games to play, how many is Matt Coronado going to play in and why? And six is the number that keeps popping up. Yeah. 960-960, name and location. But right now, one of our favorites, former NHL or NHL on Sportsnet analyst on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Luke Gazdick. Luke, how are you, pal? I'm good, fellas. How's it going today? We're good. Uh, Matthew, obviously, Matt Coronado, I'm sure he's super stoked, super excited to make his NHL debut. We still don't know when that will be. Maybe tomorrow night against the Kings. Maybe Friday against the Vancouver Canucks. Talk about your first NHL game. Oh, you're going that way, huh? Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, so <laughs> three like, of us in this deal? conversation, only one of us has played in the show. True. Yes. True. I just, you know, I've been getting asked a lot about kids coming in from college and, you know, if you're being on the roster, but let's go to my first game. Yes. That's way better. Um, I played in the, I'll preface you guys. I played in the minors for four years before that with Dallas. I was a Dallas draft pick and I went back to camp for the fifth year and didn't make the team again. Uh, I was like, I didn't know what to do. I, I thought I'd given everything to that organization. Edmonton picked me up on waivers we played against Edmonton in the last exhibition game, last preseason game with Dallas. So I was in that game. Mm. Steve McIntyre got hurt in that game, trying to hit me. And I had, I'd been chasing him around, asking him to go. He took a run at me, tears his knee. So after the game, I think I've made Dallas. They tell me the next morning I'm going to Austin. I'm on the, on the phone at noon with Craig McTavish, who tells me I'm coming to play in the NHL. Edmonton's just picked me up. Get on a plane. You're going to play in the NHL. So I get from Austin to Edmonton, practice the next day. It's crazy. They tell me I'm going to be in the lineup, like a hockey night in Canada against Winnipeg, Tuesday night, first game of the season. And uh, I'm fired up, right? This is five years, almost five years into my pro career. Um, felt like I had earned it. And we go out there first shift, get a quick icing, and it's about eight, nine seconds. And then we have an offensive zone draw, right? And uh, I whipped around the circle and threw a puck on net, and it went in. Mm-hmm. So 14 seconds into my first shift, I scored my first goal. I was, uh, Mario Lemieux scored, had the record of scoring 14 seconds in his first NHL game, and I was 15 seconds. I was 14 seconds, sorry. So I scored on my first shift, which was unreal. I fought Scott Thorburn uh, in the second period. We ended up losing uh, 4-3 in a shootout or overtime, I think, but... 
a goal in a fight my first match and, and setting a record. I uh, I did all I could to stay in E-Town for sure. Yeah, um, uh, Mario had that little backhand move, uh, but you just threw yours on the net, which is fine because that's awesome. I wanted to ask you, how did you sleep the night before? Oh, man. Well, I knew I thought I was playing. That's the thing, too, is with this kid Coronado, it's like, Teams aren't very communicative. Like, you wish they'd just be like, hey, you're in, you know? But there's so many last-minute decisions that go through this stuff. So I had an idea I was playing. Um, I think I slept like a baby, to be honest. Um, mm. I just I, – I was so nervous. Um, it almost works the opposite way sometimes where I, you just you just conk out, and, and that's what it was for me. I, I don't really remember it, but I, I remember you getting a good sleep because uh, I was ready for that one. With with the head coach of this team, um, not the not the biggest fan of young guys. Uh, you got to kind of earn it with Daryl Sutter. We've been asking our listeners eight games to go, Luke. How many think Coronado gets into here down the stretch? Oh, I don't know. I heard you guys say six. You know what? He could play one, and Daryl might not want to play him the rest of the year. <laughs> but okay. you know, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a combination from from management too, right? Like it's gonna be a team effort. I think he probably gets. Probably gets four or five, probably maybe half of them. You know, um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It's tough. That's why I come. That's where like my my viewpoint of this comes in. It's because to put them in, you have to take someone out, and you have to take someone out that's been there all year, right? That's mm-hmm. been there all year and grinded and battled for Daryl. Um, you know, he's rode those bus the planes and and played those dog days in, in February and March as these guys have been battling. So. A very valuable member of your forward core has to come out for this kid. And I'm telling you right now that sometimes it doesn't rub people the right way, but um, if it helps the team win, then you can see past that. But I, maybe about, I think four to six is probably a good range. Do you think that conversation was had between Coronado's people and Coronado and Bradtree living to say, hey, you sign here, we're going to get you in some games? Do you think that was actually said or it wasn't said? It's just based on what the coach thinks. How do you think that conversation went? Wow, that's a great question because, I mean, I've never been in that situation coming out of college, but I'm assuming that he's going to say, listen, if he's coming, he's playing. Um, But, man, at the same time, it could be just a great experience for the kid being able to skate alongside these guys in a playoff push. Heck, maybe they even sneak in the playoffs. He gets to be a part for this. The experience is is invaluable, right, for him even to just to be around. But, you know, this day and age, I just know some of these kids, and, and I'm guessing that he's, he's wanting to play some of these games and not just sit on the sidelines. So uh, I'm, I think something's probably, you know, been worked out, and I'm guessing that, that you know, he, he's got some games coming down the pipe here. So, Luke, you made the jump from the OHL to the EC. You did the EC to the A. You did the AHL to the NHL. Which one of those jumps was maybe the, the hardest one for you? Is there a certain level where you go, oh, this is this is the biggest disparity? Because I wonder, and, and you would have seen guys come from college to play in the NHL as well, I wonder where the biggest disparity would be between leagues when you're talking about going from junior or college or the A and going to the NHL. You know what? I think it was playing in the American League. I think it was my, my first, you know, First year there, the first couple months in the American League, I had a tough time. I jumped from junior from Erie to Boise right at the end of the year. Dallas didn't have an American League team. I'm not saying that's why they sent me to the coast, but 
the I was just like I was in playoff mode. I had just lost a playoff series with Erie, so like I was ready to go. I scored twenty goals that year. I fought a lot. Like mm-hmm. not saying E wasn't an easy jump for me, but I was in really good shape and I thought I played well. But when I got to the American League that first year, and just the way you carry yourself off the ice, and it's just different scheduling, practices are, are, are way harder, and I had a really tough time. They sent me to the coast, I think in November. I want to say November of or November December of my first year, and they were like, "Listen, like we got to get you some games here." I'd been being healthy, scratched, and so they sent me down for like three weeks to Boise to like go down, go play, and you're coming back up, kind of thing. So I think I'd say you know, the first couple months in the American League. Because, man, at the end of the day, the NHL, if you're in the freaking right spots all the time and you make good passes and you get the puck out and you fight the guys you're supposed to, you can have a career there. Like, players are better in the NHL. And that's why they say, some players say, it's easier to play in the National League than it is in the American League. Now, the other thing that's obviously a big jump between really any league to the NHL is the schedule, and you kind of mentioned it there, but like Harvard, he played 34 games this season. They're pretty much all on the weekends. He's going to class in between. Like, How different do you think it's going to be making that jump to an NHL schedule? They play three games this week. They play four games the week after. You got back-to-backs in there with tough travel. How do you think that's going to be an impact here? Uh, That was the the most massive major thing for me was like, even practice times, like practice in the morning. Like, I don't know when they practice in college. I think they practice in the afternoon, but like in Erie, we practiced at three, three thirty. So now you're practicing at 10, 10 30 in the morning. You're playing every second night. So like every, it feels like every game's a game day. It feels like your week is just revolved around the games. And um, even like the actual process of the game day of pregame skate and, and just being around the rink um, was just so different. And I'm sure it's just going to be culture shock for him. Just kind of be like, what's going on. And that's, you know, that's what it, it's good to have a team like Calgary. Cause that's a, like, that's a veteran locker room team and some guys that play college, some guys that play junior. So you'll have some guys to kind of hold his hand and be like, Hey, this is what happens now. This is what happens now. And that's why I think it's good that he's coming into a locker room like Calgary. Cause man, you could be going into like Anaheim or Columbus where it's, not rocking them, but a bunch of younger younger prospects and guys. But in Calgary here, you got tons of that. So I think you'll fit right in. Luke Gazdick, former NHLer, Sportsnet analyst on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose, 960. The fan. Luke, how do guys in the room and guys on the other team look at top prospects, especially early on in their career? <laughs> Let's teach this kid a lesson, eh? Uh, like, th- I, I never, like, went, went out of my way to, uh, like, guys on the other team, for sure. I was just always curious, man. I was a student of the game. Um, like, so, let's say a kid like Matthew Nyes or Coronado, like, if I was playing against them, I, I was always a fan, too, at the same time. And, like, I wanted to see them play. I'm like, how is this kid for real? You know, how does he play? Be watching him, be be looking at him, like, looking at his tendencies, but... You know, I wasn't I wasn't shying away from him as a, a, a lot of those kids end up on those third fourth lines. I end up playing against them. Like I, I'm not changing my game. You know, just because Lutz was on the other team, if Matthew Coronado comes in the corner, I'm you know I'm laying him out, um, and, and vice versa on my team. If I had a young kid and I did all the time, like this was 11 years pro where I had kids in college come at the end of the year and play with me on the fourth line. So I pro- I played with dozens of different kids. And it was just kind of taking them under your wing and just being like, hey, you know, we're going to run this play or this is this play or, you know, hey, 
I know this is different hockey, but I tell them every time, like you got, you're, you're going to notice that you have some room out there. Like you're going to go into a corner and the defenseman maybe going to give you a little bit of extra room. Cause because I'm 10 feet away from him, you know? So I just wanted to make kids feel protected and safe and, mm-hmm. and make sure their their transition to, to, to pro is as easy as possible. We'll keep an eye out and see how the rest of the week goes for Matt Coronado on the Calgary Flames. But I did want to ask you about a couple of other Western Conference topics as well. The Colorado Avalanche are on this ridiculous run, trying to track down first place in the Central Division. Getting first in the West would be tough, but the Central Division certainly in play. And they're doing this entire thing without Gabriel Landeskog. How much do you think having the captain working his way back, and, and I know it's been kind of a delayed return for him, but being able to work back and maybe join the team for the playoffs, like how much of a boost would that be? Because I look at him, I look at a guy like Mark Stone in Vegas, and they're just the emotional heartbeats of those teams. Yeah, it, it's huge. And, you know, a really good thing we saw the other day uh, was he skating now. I think he's in a different jersey, but he's skating now. And even getting him on the ice and getting him in the drills and the flow with the boys is, is huge. Uh, they were talking about it during the broadcast yesterday. I was cooking and watching uh, watching them play the Yotes, uh, which they almost blew, heck. But, um, <laughs> the Coyotes, just, man, they, that plucky Coyotes team. Those those freaking pesky Yotes at Mullet, man. Don't I'll tell you, it's not, an, it's not an easy win. I've, the Oilers are going in there tonight. I'm like, boys, don't, uh, <laughs> don't be taking this yeah. one for granted here, you know? Like, it's funny, these games are, like, you can't even cross them off anymore. These teams, Clayton Keller's friggin' going crazy now. And, mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, but even getting him back, I mean, you're just, you're jacked up. I'm sure these these abs guys are pushing here and they're waiting. You know, they want to get, you know, higher up in the standings and closer to this playoff mix. But even getting him on the ice there and getting your cap skating around um, is huge. He's the heartbeat of your team, right? And, and even getting them back around the locker room is, is huge. That is the scariest team in the West right now. I watched Seattle on Saturday a bit. I think they're going to be a real problem, but can't count out those abs, man. I, uh, they're, they're a scary team for sure. Just because you mentioned it, the Coyotes, and, and we're seeing a lot of teams play loose, as they say at this point. The Vancouver Canucks have rattled off, like, what, five straight wins? They're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. What is it that at this time of the season where – you know, is it difference in coaching? Is it just the difference in the mindset with players when you're eliminated that allows you to kind of just cruise through the rest of the season like this and, and rack up wins and, and maybe to the behest of your management team ruin your lottery chances? Well, honestly, it's hard. Guys have a lot of pride, right? Yeah. And it's it's competition. Like, you're like, yeah, you know, we don't, you know, let's make a good effort here and, you know, let's just try this and that. But once you get down 2 3 nothing, you get pissed off. Like, it's tough to sit there and play 40 minutes when you're losing every time and guys are going to take action and guys are going to work their tails off. And that's what you're seeing right now. Like you got guys that are like, you're auditioning for the whole league. So think of a guy like Liam O'Brien playing in the fourth line. I always go back to these fourth line guys. Like I don't think he's on a deal for next year. I don't know. I don't really even know. I just picked him out of, out of whatever, but he's playing for contract, right? He wants to resign. He wants to be in the NHL. He wants to be with Phoenix or he wants to audition for 31 other teams that are scouting the Oats being like, Hey, can this guy be, you know, can this guy be a tough guy on our team next year? So guys are playing for different reasons, not just like to play the playoffs. There's some individual things there. Um, and then when teams play them, it's just like, you just, you play down to their level and you see, you see the skill level is so much different, but if you let teams like that hang around for long enough, like bad things are just going to happen. And that's what teams are doing there. If you get them down two, three, nothing right away, you're good. But if you let them hang around and hang around till the third period, it's when, you know, that's trouble. 
Luke, when do guys start making off-season plans when they're on teams that have no chance of making the playoffs? Like, guys on the Jackets are definitely booking flights to Cabo, right? Uh, no. No? <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you a story. I'll okay. tell you a quick story to, All right. uh, do, to do that one. Um Taylor Hall made the all-star game. Um, my, was it my third year? My, my second year in the NHL. You have to look that up in, in Edmonton. He went to the all-star game and the winning team got a million dollars, $100,000 a player. And so we, uh, we were all fired up, but they had, that was the year John Scott went there. So John Scott was on the yeah, position, yeah. Pacific team. So Halsey's like, listen, I'm not saying we're not going to win, but like, we win, I'll charter the whole team of Vegas at the end of the year. And I'm just like, oh, unreal. This nice. is sick. So he goes down there, does his fastest skater, wins the tourney, and then we're all fired up. We're all jacked up. So he ends up getting the jet. And, yes, there was a little bit of pre-planning that was needed to be done for that uh-huh. before, you know, I think our last game was, you know, April 12th, and we were on the jet April 14th. So <laughs> there was <laughs> there, there, – there was like a little bit of planning that has to happen to order a jet and, uh, and uh, figure out, you know, where you're going to go and, and all that stuff and packing and getting your, cause we went right home. I went back to Toronto after that. So yes, there was a little pre-planning and guys, mm. you know what? I don't, it's not like we just did, you know, that was a bit of a, uh, I don't want to say a party trip, but guys do golf, really two cool golf trips and stuff. Sorry, I can't talk this morning. Guys do, like, really cool, like, golf trips where they go to, you know, Carolina, the Carolinas and play courses or whatever. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's not just party trips. But, yeah, guys guys plan stuff for the end of the year because at the end of the day, as soon as that final whistle goes on April 12th or whatever it is, like, you're just so done with hockey. And, and by that part, uh, that point, you kind of just want to go reward yourself for 82 games, you know? So you're saying that Taylor Hall didn't buy you a ticket where he had to sit beside a guy who took his shoes off and is eating an onion sandwich and coach? <laughs> no, I wasn't flying freaking Southwest where you choose your own seats. But yeah. Like, <laughs> no, Halsey got a nice a, a nice jet, offered it up for whoever wanted. I think we had – we didn't even end up having that many guys because guys had plans at the end of the year, and some guys had to go down to OKC to play. Um, but, yeah, we had a nice group of guys, and uh, – chartered down to Vegas and it was uh as as advertised let's say it's not bad Vegas or OKC that's a tough call yeah <laughs> yeah tough call hey I know you just battle at the Oilers in a losing season and uh, the whole team's going to Vegas you're going to Oklahoma Yay. City enjoy <laughs> enjoy the AHL hey, man it was Nursey and Leon oh <laughs> and I was like wow because they were young right and we yeah. were like we were like, boys, you guys want to come? And they were just like, yeah, yeah, can we come? Can we come? And then I think it was Peter Sorelli or whoever it was was like, no, you guys are going to Oklahoma City. And they weren't even in a playoff race. They just went to play like the last two games. Uh, that sweet gig. Uh, I, I just wanted to ask you, we've been asking you about some of your fights because you've got a razor sharp memory for these types of things. And because George started out by asking you about your first NHL game, I wanted to ask you about your last NHL fight, which was actually in a preseason game against Dustin Bufflin. Can you tell us what it's like to fight Dustin Bufflin? Oh, wow. You guys went right in. So I think, yeah, because my last regular season one, I think, was Tom Wilson. But I, Just I remember that. My goodness. <laughs> hey, hey, why don't you fight re- like, why don't you find me a site like Nikolai Ehlers I saw a fight last <laughs> week? Why don't you fight a guy like him? <laughs> 
Hey, Tom Wilson, Dustin so Bufflin, okay. anybody else? Can Mike Tyson skate that you maybe could have fought, Luke? <laughs> like, man. So me and Buff have a bit of a history. Yeah. If you guys don't know, just search Bufflin Gazdick and you'll see a hit where he yeah. takes me from the blind side and essentially I do like a one, 180 head over heels. So I had already been pissed off a bit about that. That was like three years prior to that or two years prior to that, but – I think he just did what Buff did. He does it. He did it every game when he played. I don't remember how it started, but I think he like hammered somebody and then cross-checked somebody and then punched someone in the face. And like that was that was every game with Buff, man. And nobody stood up to him ever. And because he, for even for like tough guys like me, like he rarely fought too. So you could like drop your gloves and try to throw, but like he would, you would just get a roughing. I think yeah. I, a player had done that on our team before, so it was like. I think I just, I think he had hit someone and I grabbed him. It was the end of a shift. I didn't love the fight because was, it was right at the end of a shift and I was so tired. But um, yeah, I got a couple in there and um, I just wanted to get the five, man. Like, I, I think I was sticking up for somebody and I just wanted to make sure I got the five. I was really trying to make the flames that year, man. I wanted to get a scrap in. I wanted to get a scrap in that game and, um, and yeah, it didn't work out in the end with the flames. But I know I just wanted to get on the on the game sheet and and i'm pretty sure i was standing up for somebody so mm-hmm. yeah your stand-up guy uh luke gazdick um former nhler um sportsnet nhl analyst luke always fun let's do it again soon pal thanks for this yeah anytime fellas have a good day there was luke gazdick on the nh on the atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline brought to you by atlas pizza and sports bar using the same secret recipe since 1975 dining at 6060 memorial drive northeast takeout or delivery at 403-248 3344. Straight ahead, uh, Lou, Peter Labardius, Sportsnet 960 Flames color analyst. We'll talk to ESPN senior writer Greg Wyshynski at 830. We're still taking your text messages as well, 960-960. With eight games to play in the Flames season, how many is Matt Coronado going to play in and why? 960-960 name and location. But first, kind of want to put a little bow on this. I uh, I teased it earlier on. Uh, Patrick, you like this story too. We know we all know about Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. Every July first, oh, Bobby yeah. Bonilla gets a million dollars from yeah, the yeah, New York yeah. Mets because he signed like a deferred contract for like a million years from the Mets. So it was like what Rick DiPietro had with the Islanders yeah. for the longest time it, in a, an NHL terms. A twenty-year no-cut contract in a house in Bora Bora uh, from the movie um, Youngblood. But uh, the third highest player on the Cincinnati <laughs> Reds this season on the payroll will be Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, making $3.6 million. I, I laughed my ass off yesterday when yeah. I saw that. So here's the top Wait. three. Here's the top three players on the Cincinnati Reds payroll in 2023. Joey Votto, $25 million. Not bad for the Canadian. Woof. Will Myers... And his no batting gloves, six million dollars. Love it. And then Ken Griffey Jr. for three point six million dollars. Uh, by the way, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. hasn't played for the Reds in fifteen years. Yeah, <laughs> hasn't played since '08. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and yeah. then he played for Seattle after yeah. that too. Like yeah. what? Yeah. Oh man, that that's why uh, <laughs> signing a deferred deal is pretty awesome for Ken Griffey Jr. He's the third highest paid player on the Reds this season, which is an indictment of how terrible the Reds are going to be this year. Ken Griffey Jr. is your third highest paid player. And he's probably what, how much of a better batter than 
how many of their players? Oh, I yeah. think Ken could get in that starting line. Oh, yeah. Starting lineup. <laughs> Hall of Famer, like one of the most gorgeous swings. He's in only fifty six too. You like put him at DH. You don't need. They got the DH in the National <laughs> yeah, League now. I don't have right. to have him out in left field. You make it work for that money. Yeah. Um, I put him in a jersey. Uh, Three point six million for Ken Griffey Jr., third highest Good change. player on the Reds. Ah, man, what, so what day would that be? Is oh, that coming know, up pretty he's quick? He's getting or? it this year. Yeah, he's definitely getting it this year. I'm, and I'm assuming it's uh, throughout the season. Man, so every nice every second Friday he's going to get a paycheck. Talk Loving about it. wetting your beak, hey? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> My goodness, smart. Um, straight ahead, Lou on the Flames. Then Greg Wyshynski will look around the NHL. We'll get their take on the Matt Coronado deal with the Calgary Flames. One more hour to go of our part of the big show. Russick and Rose, 960, The Fan.